everyone. Welcome to the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast, where mistakes are welcome, nothing is off limits, and growth is inevitable. I am Sharissa Wood. I'm Brittany Simon. And we are putting our brains together to bring you the tools you need to elevate your hygiene practice, build amazing team culture, and provide patients with the very best care. Our mission is to help empower and equip every hygienist to practice purposeful, profitable hygiene. We look to guide you on your journey towards career fulfillment by providing support, collaboration, and community to our profession. As two of the top producing hygienists in the country, we know firsthand that these things lead to sustainable and fulfilling practice and the happy side effect of high profitability. So let's get to it. everybody and welcome back to another week of Bulletproof Hygiene. We are excited to have you joining us and hope that your new year is going well and um, that you are finding fulfillment in what you're doing on a daily basis. And today we are talking about kind of an interesting topic. Uh, the title of this podcast is Don't Get Steamrolled. And I'm pretty sure everyone can resonate with where I'm coming from when I say this, but you know, oftentimes we are uh, coming across patients who aren't happy with what we're saying or doing. They may not just be happy in their own lives. They may not have the best attitude that day, and they may not always be nice to us. And it's easy for us to feel like we're getting steamrolled. So we wanted to address that today. Um, and, you know, I feel like in a service industry where, you know, the customer experience can make or break your practice, it's imperative that we realize that we can't please everyone all the time. Mm -hmm. If our mission is to take exceptional care of our patients, practice, practice ethically and protect and grow our practice, we must understand that not everyone's going to embrace our goals and our mission. And that's really okay. So many times I feel like we bend over backwards to accommodate patients that might not ascribe to our level of care and it compromises our standards, and in some cases, even our licensure. And I'll say in my 25 years of hygiene, I've experienced countless instances of my team members and, and myself, honestly, getting steamrolled by patients in the name of providing great customer service. So hear me say this. When we yield to rude, belligerent, bullying patients who don't share our mission for providing quality care, value our time and efforts, or trust our professional expertise and recommendations, then we sabotage our team and our practice. And I'm sure, you know, Brittany, I know, you know, like we can think of hundreds of examples readily about yeah. this, but I want to, yeah. I want to do three, three common ones that I know we're all really, really familiar with. So say we're seeing that patient that comes in and they don't want to take x-rays that they're due for. So they aggressively tell us they're not doing them with crossed arms and, and harsh tone. That's never um, happened to me, actually. Really? No, hmm. never. Mm -mm. Hmm. Liar. I'm not relatable. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but like in those cases, it's really easy to not want to rock the boat or start a shouting match. So we meekly say, okay, well, let's just get those at your next visit and move forward. Um, I think another really common instance is you have that patient that calls two hours before their appointment to say they can't make it because they had a meeting come up and yeah, right. This happens. Like we understand life things come up, but this patient is actually a chronic canceler and always has an excuse. They clearly don't value our time. And so when you afford, inform that them that you're applying a missed appointment fee, 
they become belligerent, stating that this was out of their hands and our policies are unreasonable. And in that case, it's easy to kind of bow our head and say, we can, we can, wa- I'll waive the fee this time, even though we've done that several times before. Mm-hmm. And then our third example is also pretty common. You have a patient that calls and they're irate about a statement they received with their balance after insurance covered less than what was estimated. So to avoid a fight or an uncomfortable conversation, um, it's easier to offer to write off the balance to keep the patient happy and retain them as a patient. So I feel like these are three really common things that all of our listeners can relate to and have experienced. Um, so I want to kind of deep dive into just using these three, three examples, um, you know, where we can change things. Um, so that we're not getting steamrolled in these ways. So yeah, I can, can I, can I interrupt yeah. you for a second? So yeah. with these three examples, and I know that we're going to talk about a lot more examples later on, so I don't want to elaborate on like what else applies here, but these are three examples that are like super, super common. Like, right. We hear this and see this every single day. And the more, I think that the whole team understands what the policies are and what your practice stands for and what your you know, vision is and, you know, what your protocol is basically surrounding all this stuff, the more everyone is on the same page and calibrated with this information. I feel like on the front end, we can avoid a lot of this. It's inevitable that we don't avoid all of it, right? Right. Because people come in with like whatever their concerns are and like x-rays and that sort of thing or, um, and, you know, people have a choice to do, do and say whatever they want, you know, regarding missed appointments and not take responsibility and that sort of thing. But I think like, if everything is crystal clear, like your cancellation policy is crystal clear, um, it's repeated, you know, like I know that for us in our medical history, uh, the patient is signing that they are aware of the cancellation policy. And I know that that's very common, you know what I mean? So that's an on paper instance, but also starting with the first phone call, you know, scheduling that new patient appointment, there's a lot of verbiage around our 48 hour cancellation. So that's, it starts on the phone so that there's no surprise, you know, like no one's surprised. And there's like vigorous, you know, notes about copious notes about, you know, what discussions were had and what um, expectations were explained to to the patient, you know, ahead of time so that we can all realize and see kind of like what the conversation was. And now I can just pick up where that person left off. Like my admin person is phenomenal at getting really, really high detailed information, putting it in the appointment card so that if it's like, oh, this patient canceled, she'll write in there like, oh, this is the reason why and like have, you know, tons of notes on why. And then if I try and collect that cancellation fee, you know, when they're in for their next hygiene visit and they give me any like pushback, like I have all the documentation I need to say like, Hey, this is our policy. You know, I I saw that you couldn't make it because X, Y, Z, this was actually your third missed appointment. So I can't, I I can't any longer waive this, you know, because we want to respect our patient's time and blah, blah, blah. But I feel like, you know, making sure that in regards to like statements and payments, like making sure we're saying it's an estimate, not like a guarantee of payment, right? So like that's setting up an expectation, making sure that they understand our x-ray policy or having a conversation around x-rays if they, you know, are averse, you know? Right, Um, right. So that sort of thing. Anyway, I just think that a lot, a lot of times these things can be like so minimized and like the stress of this can be so small if we kind of like prepare on the front end, you know? Yep, and we're going to definitely talk some more about that as well. Mm-hmm. But but before we really dig into that, I want to talk about there's kind of two themes that run kind of in the background that I feel like happen in these instances to us. 
Um, and, and I know we can think of a lot of examples, but I think the two themes are number one, we don't want to upset the patient. And number two, we don't want to get uncomfortable. We don't want to feel uncomfortable. So today we want to tackle how to manage these two issues, or like our title says, how not to be steamrolled. So we want to talk about some practical ways to do this, and then we'll go back and apply these concepts to our examples to discuss how we could manage those scenarios in a way that is aligned with our practice mission. But first, I want to talk a little bit about not wanting to upset the patient. It is absolutely not lost on us that without patients, we don't have jobs, right? So excellent customer service and catering to our patients is a big deal. It's what we do. It's why we're here. So upsetting or disappointing patients seems counterintuitive to our whole purpose, right? Our goal should never be to upset patients. But if our practice vision is to treat our patients ethically with exceptional clinical care and provide an impeccable experience, then the reality is that there will be times that patients may not like our standards, boundaries, or protocols. And this is where being firmly grounded in your why as a practice and as a practitioner is so important. The reality is that every patient isn't for our practice, just as much as our practice isn't for every patient. And that's okay. And like, that sounds scary to say, but think about the reality because honestly, I've got a couple of patients in my brain that we are actually looking at, um, you know, dismissing from the practice this year because they just are consistently rude and not aligned. And it's, there's almost like this hesitation, like, should we, should we not? But if you kind of look at the history, it's like, they're never nice. They never want to do what we recommend. They never, so let's cut them loose. Maybe there's another practice out there that they're going to align better with, but it's not us. And if we're seeing that, you know, this, this patient is stressful to all the team every time they come in, that's not a win. No, and it's, and it's okay to say goodbye to them. Yeah, that's it. that causes more strife than it's worth. Like you, if you like see the patient on the schedule and you immediately get anxiety about what might yep. happen in that appointment, like it's probably time to examine like, okay, what is it? What is the problem here? Like, is it a communication thing? Like, is it really this person? They're like unruly. They just aren't a good fit for the practice. But yeah, it's, it's not worth it. Like you have to ask yourself, like, why are we trying to please an unreasonable person. Like they're not pleasable, you know what right. I mean? Kind of thing. Right. And, and it's just like costing you emotional energy and like, it, it doesn't help the practice, you know? Right. And, you know, we've got to be so careful in those instances, you know, not to compromise our patient care standards or protocols just to prevent upsetting or even losing a patient. You know, the reality is like we're saying that patients are going to get upset sometimes, which tends to make us uncomfortable. So we've got to be willing to get uncomfortable. And I'm going to say that again. We have got to be willing to get uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Nobody, I I should say not, not nobody, but most people I feel like aren't super comfortable with confrontation. I don't love it personally. Mm -hmm. Um, And in a customer service scenario, confrontation seems frowned upon. And honestly, it really should be kind of our last resort, but sometimes that needs to happen. Um, So to avoid being taken advantage of, you've got to be clear on your priorities and mission and be confident and assertive. And being assertive is not to be confused with being aggressive. So I want to clarify that, the difference between those things. So being assertive is the quality of being self-assured, confident, and direct. You can be assertive while being respectful and kind. 
Aggressiveness, on the other hand, is about being forceful or pushy towards others in a way that makes them uncomfortable on purpose. So I want to talk about some ways to be assertive, and Brittany's going to kind of start us off on some ideas for that. Yeah, and I love this part about being direct about what we want. So the first thing about being assertive is we need to be direct about what we want. So a lot of people are afraid of being too direct due to a fear of being perceived as rude or aggressive, like you just mentioned. Um, If you want to move forward, it's important to be direct about the things that you want. In, In our case, our expectations for our patients, you can get your message across by being professional and precise in your words. This is far from rude. Um, You should always be prepared to demonstrate your points concisely and to share the benefits of those wants with others. And I think that when we're able to do this, when we're able to be assertive and separate the emotions from this, it gives Mm -hmm. people an opportunity to understand what's expected of them and what we want in a clear, concise way. Because you know how we talk about all the time, like making sure our team understands what it looks like to win so that they can win. They know when they're winning. I think sometimes what's missing, especially with patients who are maybe acting inappropriately or not being very nice is like, they need the guidance of like, this is the expectation. Like this, this behavior is unacceptable. This is what I need from you. This is, you know, how this relationship has to be in order for it to work on both ends or for everyone involved. So I think that it's, although it's uncomfortable to start confrontation, like it gives everyone an opportunity to see if this is something that can work out. You know, it's an opportunity for everyone. It's an opportunity for that patient to pivot and correct their, their way. They're like seeing their way out of the practice. It gives them at least an opportunity to say, oh yeah, I want to adhere to these guidelines and I will respect your boundaries. Yeah. Well, and I think this is this point too, about being direct about what you want. This is where you were talking about earlier. This is where I think you as a practice need to have your, your vision you know, this is where we come together as a practice and say, hey, this is our vision. This is our mission. These are our standards and protocols. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I would challenge you if you're in your practice, you don't have any protocols for, you know, patients that are canceling or patients that are coming late or patients that don't want x-rays or say no to, you know, restorative treatment or perio treatment. You know, this is where I think you need to come together as a team and, you know, when's the best time, right? Right at the beginning of a new year. Mm -hmm. To say, hey, what are we willing, you know, what makes sense to our practice? And this isn't just a practitioner thing. I see this happen, you know, whether this is business team, because, you know, it's usually the business team that are taking those phone calls of patients Mm -hmm. canceling or sending texts canceling. Um, And I've seen for us in our practice, you know, we have, you know, when we get some newer, you know, fresher um, team members that are business team and patients are calling to cancel and they're not quite confident in what, you know, what the practice protocol is, Mm -hmm. or even confident in themselves enough to say, hey, you know, this is, I'm so sorry to have to do this, but we do need to charge a missed appointment fee. You know, you've canceled on us twice before. We, we, you know, really value our time. We have a lot of other patients that are trying to get in right now. You know, this is taking away from our doctor's time today. And so there is a missed appointment fee. Um, But I think it's, it, this is where being direct about what you want as a practice, you've got to know what you want and what's important and lay those down in the, in concrete. Yeah. So that every standard, standard operating procedures needs to be super, super detailed and concise because then everyone can look at it and look back and point and say, this is the point of reference. Right. This is what we're working from. We all agree to, to these values, to these um, 
to this structure, to this system, this protocol, whatever, like everyone agrees. And it's a, it's a written policy you can right. like look at and point to and say, hey, this is, we've all agreed as a team, like this is what we're enforcing basically. Right. And this is what you said earlier too, I thought was a really important point. It takes the emotion out of it mm-hmm. because let's be honest, when patients call and they're angry or in they're sitting in your chair and they're starting to, you know, their, their voices are starting to raise, mm-hmm. it's really easy to respond to their emotion with your emotion. So I think if you're just really grounded in the black and white of what the protocols are, it's a lot easier to not get emotional. And, and, you know, hopefully our listeners know us well enough to say, you know, we're not rooted in concrete. There are times, there are instances, there are, you know, things that happen that we say, oh, that's a really big deal. And yes, we're going to waive that. Or, Hey, you're going through this right now. And we're going to say, let's catch that next time. Like, you know, there's definitely wiggle room and, and we're people and we're humans. And so we're going to, we're going to be kind to one another. Right. But, and that's, and that's something that's empowering when, you know, as a team member, you can use your discretion, yes. too, you know, but I think that having that, that standardization helps it to, helps you, especially whether you're on the phone or you're a practitioner, you're in front of patients, like to not have fear when a person responds like negatively or, aggressively or something. You don't have fear because you know what the right thing is. You don't have to fear like that someone won't have your back. You don't have to fear that you're going to get in trouble, but because you told the patient, you know, what your, what your policy is, like, you're just enforcing the rule. You know, it takes the fear, it takes the guessing out, takes the uncertainty out. And that allows a lot of that emotion to be removed. Right. Yep. For sure. Hey, Bulletproof Hygiene listeners. We have some big, exciting news. We are proud to announce that our 2022 summit is happening in Nashville, Tennessee, June 3rd and 4th. Come join us for a weekend of growth, learning, and collaboration. We'll be taking deep dives into team culture, leadership, hygiene systems, and patient care and education that bring fulfillment, career success, and practice profitability. This course has the potential to change the trajectory of your career and help you practice at the top of your game. If you missed us in 2021, trust us, you don't want to miss this. Visit BulletproofSummit.com to get all the details and reserve your spot. We can't wait to see you there. So be direct about what you want. I think the second thing to key to assertiveness is be prepared with your answers. So this is what we're just talking about, about taking the emotion out of it. So when you start telling people what you want or what your, you know, protocols are, what your expectations are, you're going to notice really quickly that they're going to have lots of questions. Mm -hmm. Um, And being assertive means coming up with a clear plan of action beforehand, which is what we're talking about here. So you always want to make your answers really concise. Um, You don't want to be, you know, taking 30 minutes to explain this to a patient. Um, You want to avoid rambling at all costs, because we also know that we're all really limited on our time. So we want to keep it concise. So ask yourself, you know, what are the key things that I want to say? What's the most important thing that my patient or audience is going to take away? Um, And this will help you get to the point really quickly and make a great impression. So this is where not only do we recommend creating your, your vision, your protocols as a team, but also creating some verbiage around that Mm -hmm. for these frequent issues, like patients being late, having balances or refusing treatment. And that's a really great way to help everyone on the team win and be prepared for those uncomfortable moments. Um, You know, honestly, we say this all the time when we do this together, we're all on the same page and have each other's backs 
then we can be more confident and know that we can, we can do this. So not only making some verbiage around these things, but even doing some like role play to get comfortable with it, you know, practice your responses, practice asking each other hard questions or making hard statements and then responding with those, you know, pre-created verbiage answers, but just get really comfortable with your protocols and understand why you have them. Yeah. And I would say, you know, if you are for the first time kind of implementing protocols, just you know, expect that questioning and expect some resistance and know that it will get easier with time. Because once you, you know, if you're expressing and enforcing a new boundary or a new protocol or something like it is new information for people and they do have to kind of adjust to that. And, you know, a lot of times if we haven't been enforcing this boundary, it's a change and people aren't expecting it. So they need a little time to process like, okay, is this something that's acceptable or that I want to go along with? Or do I want to see my way out of the practice? So I think there's, there's like a curve. And I think that it's one of the barriers as to why people don't implement boundaries sooner, because it's hard. It's hard if you haven't been enforcing your cancellation and then you start enforcing it. Patients question you and you've got to have that concise answer and have confidence and all that stuff. Um, but what, but it does get easier, you know, so that's something to know if you're enforcing these things for the first time, it'll get easier. The more, you know, you got to get through that like six month, um, repetition of your recare patients basically inform everyone. And then it's like, okay, this is familiar information. Oh yeah. We did it like this last time and it's not so foreign to them. It doesn't doesn't take so much effort. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. Um, the next thing is having self-confidence and courage. So assertiveness and confidence go hand in hand. Uh, fortunately you can develop your confidence over time by using daily positive practices. Um, these practices include speaking daily affirmations about yourself and reversing any negative thoughts in your mind. Additionally, you know, avoid comparing yourself to others at all costs. Instead, imagine what you want in your career and never doubt your abilities. So, you know, this is one of those behind the scenes practices that makes our in work life so much easier. You know, there's so much foundational stuff and so much work that goes in behind the scenes to make things flow smoothly. But I think one thing that gets overlooked a lot is the work that we do on ourselves as individuals at home when we're not at work, you know, so working on our self-confidence. And sometimes that involves, you know, those, um, uh, what's it called? The affirmations, you know what I mean? Like saying like, I am this, or, you know, I can do this. I can do hard things. I am, you know, smart, I'm learning, I'm constantly learning and growing and like writing those somewhere and like changing um, our, our automatic negative thoughts, basically, you know, the things that just play in our minds, like, oh, God, I didn't handle that situation very well. Oh, man, I'm not good at that. Oh, gosh, I'm bad at confrontation. Like, if that's what's playing in our mind, that's the way those conversations are going to go. So this is a really important thing is making sure that we are kind of like, training our reticular activating system. It's like the hairnet over our brain. And this is like a slight tangent, but I'm reading um, The High Five Habit by Mel Robbins. And she's talking about the reticular activating system and how it's the thing in our brain where if you you know, are shopping for a red Honda, you're going to see red Hondas everywhere because you have told your brain that this is an important thing. Um, so the more we train our reticular activating system to see the things that we want it to see and see what's actually important to us. It it takes time. But once we do that, it gets easier and easier for us to see like, okay, I did that really, really well. Like, you know, um, being assertive and confrontation is hard for me, but you know what? I practiced that and it went better. Um, You know, and we can, we can change what we are aware of the more that we do it. So it does take repetition, especially for those really old, old thoughts. 
Yep. But it's yeah. worth it and it does change. You know, we have that neuroplasticity. Like there's so much research on neuroplasticity. It doesn't matter how old or young you are, you can change your thoughts. So this is a really, really important point. Well, and I think what you just said too about not comparing yourself to someone else is important. But at the same time too, we say this all the time. We're in a, t- we're a team. We're in this mm-hmm. together. So mm-hmm. if there is someone on your team that's really good at managing patients like this or really good about having those conversations and it just seems like it's easy for them, go to them. And say, hey, how did you get good at this? What are you saying? You know, yeah. how, how, you know, I'm not super comfortable with this. How are you comfortable with this? Yeah. You know, and sometimes it's a personality thing, but sometimes they've been where you are and they got themselves to this point and they might have some really good answers for that. So use each other's strengths and weaknesses on that, you know, build, each, build your weaknesses through someone else's strengths. Yeah, there's absolutely no shame in that. And there's absolutely yes. no reason to reinvent the wheel. Like yep. all the time I'm asking people for help with things. Like there are so many things that I'm not the strongest person at in my practice every day that like I'm just constantly asking for help and people ask me for help and that's what makes it so great you know yeah yeah 100% so our next point is work on your body language um when it comes to being assertive your body language and tone of voice are just as important as your words and you should aim for these to be as confident as possible So in terms of body language, you know, obviously this isn't necessarily somebody that you're talking to over the phone, but in your operatory or at the front desk, you know, make sure that you, you know, you stand up straight, you keep your shoulders back. Um, You know, you want to make sure that you're avoiding looking defensive or nervous in your body language. So you don't want to be hunching your shoulders to make yourself look smaller or crossing your arms, which looks very defensive or Mm -hmm. having clenched fists. Um, And your tone of voice should really just be steady and calm um, and avoid raising your voice. Listen to the other person too, as keeping your tone at a similar level will make them more likely to actively pay attention to you. Now, obviously, if you have a patient who is starting to raise their voice and getting more intense, you don't want to mimic that because that's going to just continue to escalate. That's when you want to identify, okay, they're getting harsh and they're getting upset. It's actually at that point, you want to kind of go the other direction and start to kind of bring it down. So hoping that they'll kind of mirror back to you and they'll see, hey, you're not upset. I, I, I maybe shouldn't be upset either. And they can kind of calm down. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, so the body language and the tone of voice are a big part of what the difference is between being assertive and being aggressive. Yes. You know what I mean? Because if we are very emotionally charged and like we're in the situation and we haven't practiced it and maybe we're not like well-versed in how this should go or what our policies are. Like, I feel like there's a, there's a much higher chance that we will come across as like emotional, aggressive, you know, like maybe you know, kind of insecure about what we're saying, like you're saying. So I think that working on our body language, making sure that we're leaning toward the patient, we are on their eye level, whether they're standing, standing or sitting, you know, putting, putting ourselves on the same plane, but leaning forward, you know, kind of having an open body expression. So like, you know, feet flat on the floor, your hands kind of like, you know, maybe in front of you on your legs, kind of relaxed, you know, making sure that you're breathing making sure you're making eye contact, but you're not like, not in the threatening, overbearing manner, obviously, but like there are things that you can do that I feel like we do every day without realizing it. That just helps that process so much. You know, I feel like people, people can take some hard information, especially when it's delivered with clarity, you know, and with that assertive, calm body language and tone. So it's worth practicing, I think. Yeah. And I feel like I have a good example of this. There's many times where my assistant will seat my patient and mm-hmm. she'll come out and she's like, oh, they're, they, they don't want to do x-rays today. They're, mm-hmm. they, they absolutely aren't going to do x-rays. I'm like, okay, 
And that doesn't hold me up for a second. I go in, but instead of like standing over them and being like, Hey, how are you? You don't want to do x-rays. I purposely go in and sit in my chair and just kind of roll it back. And I'm like, Hey, what's going on? How's life? How were your holidays? How, you know, what's going on? Where'd you go this summer? And I don't even address that, you know, that issue until we've kind of connected for a minute and I'm on their level and I'm not breaking eye contact and I'm just seeming interested in who they are and what's going on. And then I, you know, kind of start talking about that issue and we'll go into that a little bit more, but yeah, I think it's just those connecting with someone and body language does that in a huge, huge way. Huge way. And the same thing, the same exact thing happens at my practice, you know, when our hygiene assistants go in, sometimes they're like, you know, I think it's the verbiage, I think it's the confidence, but it definitely, definitely impacts, you know, what the patient is willing to comply with kind of, you know, because there have been many, many times, and I know that it's the case for you where, you know, my assistant will see the patient, same story, like they tell them they're due for x-rays and they come out and you know, I can sense that the assistant's energy in that scenario is very fearful right. and kind of like uncertain. And right. I know that the patient feels that too. So right. then I come in, yeah, same thing, like, hey, how are you, Mrs. Jones? Like, how's it going? You know, I'm going to update med history really quick, you know, go through all of that and then say, you know, you're, you're overdue for x-rays. It's really important that I check the bone levels and see if there are any cavities between the teeth. And, right. you know, your last x-rays were 18 months ago. So this is our standard of care, blah, blah, blah. And then if Mrs. Jones, you know, tells me she doesn't want them, then I'm, then my next question is why, you know, why not that to some people, I think they're afraid to ask that because they don't want to come across as pushy. But when I'm asking why I'm asking why, just like this with my even tone and like conversationally, I'm like, Oh, really? Why not? Like what's what's the issue with x-rays? Because we can also do the assuming of like, Oh, they don't want radiation. Oh, they don't want to pay. Oh, they're in a hurry, but you don't know. And like, I, I found like, as soon as you can solve their problem, most patients are fine with it. Yep. And I'm sure that you find the same thing. So you come in, how are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, why, why don't you want x-rays? Well, I don't want to pay for them. Okay. Well, you know, let's get you with someone. It's really important that we take these x-rays. I want to make sure that we're taking the very best care of you. Let's get you with someone before you leave to talk about dividing the payments or I'll give you a 15% off friends and family discount today. Just really important that we take the very best care of you. You know, that's my come from, you know, just changes the energy and changes everything in the room. Yep. 100%. So the next part is about setting clear boundaries and sticking to them. This is one of my favorite topics. And it's one that I had to like learn to do as an adult. I didn't understand what boundaries were. And I thought that they were mean. And um, I didn't understand, you know, what the function and purpose was. So it's, it's a really interesting thing to like learn about that as an adult and then start implementing it in your work life. It just makes, it, it makes it like such a beautiful thing. Um, So another part of being assertive is having clear boundaries for what behavior you're willing to accept from others. When you know what you won't accept, it's much easier to recognize when you're being treated unfairly or when you're not being respected. Having boundaries will make you feel less anxious. Since you know what situations are unacceptable to you, it will be much easier to stand up for yourself. It also helps to have responses prepared in advance in case these situations come up. Aggression is usually emotionally charged, so things like insults or when-at-all-cost approach is unlikely to get you anywhere. So avoid bringing up these topics when you feel emotional, as it's important to consider the well-being of others. So I I was going to say, now that we've kind of gone through some ideas for how to be more assertive, I want to revisit our scenarios to talk about how to manage those in a better way. And I know we just kind of went over, you know, a patient who doesn't want x-rays, but I want to go a little bit further into that because I actually, I've had a couple of instances. I had a patient who 
was a perio maintenance patient and he doesn't have insurance. So, you know, he's fee for service. And, um, he kind of one day was getting a little aggressive on, well, I don't want to do this and I don't want to come in here every time. And you guys tell me I need this. And, you know, so I kind of just pushed my chair back and I've been taking care of him for a while. And, you know, I said, so we've got to figure out a place that we can meet so that I'm, cause you know, that I'm here to take the very best care of you. Mm-hmm. So I'm not willing to compromise your care. Right. So I think we've got to come to an agreement on a frequency of when we do these things, you know, legally, I have to have the doctor come do an exam for you twice a year. I need to see, because we're managing a disease that impacts your systemic health, and can contribute to the loss of bone around your teeth and inflammation in your body, I need to see you more frequently to manage that. Mm -hmm. Because x-rays help me determine that there is no infection, there is no active bone loss going on, you know, there is no decay. I need to do those at a, you know, selected interval to make sure that we really are maintaining your health. So I'm open to discussing what those intervals can be and coming to an agreement on that. But if we can't do that, then I think maybe we need to send you to another, you need to find another practice that's, that's going to meet your expectations. Right. And he actually really respected that and was like, oh, okay. So then we sat down and we actually made a little contract for how often we were going to see him for perio maintenance, how often we were going to update his x-rays, whether it was FMX or bite wings, how often we were going to, um, you know, do his, um, we, we do salivary testing for him too. So all of the things, how often, you know, we were going to do doctor's exams, all the things, and we agreed to that. So now it's not even an issue. Right. Um, so I had another back, he, know, he knows what's expected right. of him. Right. You've set everyone up for yep. success. And yep. And also, you know, what was I going to say? Um, just being clear and concise like that, right. like there's, there's nothing better. You just made everyone's life easy. I actually had something else to say, but I don't remember. So I'll probably interject at some Well, point. and I was going to say, I'll be super honest. You know, this was a couple of years ago and I, the older I get, the more confident I'm getting. And I think that's part of it. I think mm-hmm. that's honestly, that's part of it. The more we experience, the more we do, the more confident we get. But I'll be honest in saying that I, my back was a little sweaty during that conversation. Like it wasn't, I wasn't like, oh, this is fun. Let's talk about this. But at the same point, because I'm grounded in my why of what I'm doing for him and, and I'm not willing to compromise his care, our practice or my licensure, I'm, I'm, I'm rooted in that. So I can say like, Hey, I want to take the best care of you. And if, and if our uh, goals don't align here, that's Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Then this just isn't the place for you. You know what I was, you know what I was going to say? I just remembered is that that makes it so clear for the patient about what your actual motives are. Like Mm -hmm. he can no longer question, like, why do you want to take it? Do you just want my money? You just want like this. You just, you know, that like, no, he can see that you're willing to lose a patient in order to uphold this standard of care. Like it is that important to you as a practice and just in general, like, because it is, you know? And I think that, you know, one of the most important things that you can do for a patient is explain why, because some people have never been educated. You know, how many times have you had a patient come in and say, oh, I've never had that, that number chart. Like, what did you just do? I've never had an oral cancer screening. It's because we haven't, maybe someone didn't, was doing it and they didn't verbalize that or educate the patient about what they were doing and the value there. So like with x-rays, you know, I, I say, I love everything that Teresa says, you're like great at explaining things to patients, but I like to say, you know, I can only see about 40% of your tooth surface. When I look in your mouth, you know, there's about 60%, kind of like an iceberg that's under the gum. There's a surface of your tooth that touches the tooth next to it that I can't see clinically. And that's where cavity 
athletes typically develop, you know? So like I talk about those things, I talk about the bone level, I show them their x-rays and what we looked at last time, you know, and, and what we found last time, I remind them of kind of like, this is why it's important for you. If it's a person with a lot of historical dental work or like root canals, I explain like, we've got to see the, the tip of the root. I want to make sure that this isn't, isn't causing you like an, a chronic infection that you can't feel. I want to make sure that nothing is, is dangerous for you. Basically, I want to make sure that we're taking the very best care of you. And this is how we do that. Yeah. I love the iceberg. I love that you came. Yeah, I know. It's good, right? I love that you came to a, an agreement with that patient though, because then he had, he can take responsibility in the process now. Like he helped to make his own protocol. He he was involved in it. You know, it's like when you give uh, your team an opportunity to have ownership over something like it's empowering. So he's like, Oh, like one, I respect that you were just super direct to me Two, I know what your true motives are. And it's to take the very best care of me. So I'm not going to question that anymore. And then in all the future appointments, you don't, you don't have to have that conversation anymore. So how great is that? Right. Yeah. 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 So let's revisit the patient who called and canceled their appointment two hours before because they have a work meeting and we look at the notes and see that they've canceled three times in a row and we waived the missed appointment fee already. And so now because our protocol is, Hey, you have canceled, you know, this is going to be your fourth cancellation. This is four hours of our time. Mm -hmm. Now we've got to incur that. And the patient's just really unhappy. And I couldn't control that this meeting got scheduled. I think that's just a very calm conversation where you're not raising your voice. Your tone is very even, you know, and Hey, you know, Brittany, I understand that you just found out you had this meeting and I know how crazy and stressful that can be. Um, and I would love to waive this missed appointment fee. However, this is actually your, you know, third or fourth cancellation with us. And we've waived it previously. You know, Sharice's time is very valuable. We actually have a long list of patients that are trying to get in. So we've, you know, we value our time. We value your time whenever you're here. So we are going to go ahead and charge that missed appointment fee this time. Mm-hmm. Um, let's make sure that when we schedule you at your next visit, you know, that we, we, you know, I know we let you know far in advance and we confirm ahead of time. And I know that there are these unexpected things that happen, but we want to try to help you avoid those as much as possible. But today this, this fee is going to be $50 and we'll, I mean, I can go ahead and collect that over the phone, but we will need to collect that before we schedule your next visit. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love the tone of voice that you just used. And this is another, and I know that we've talked about this is just coming full circle, but this is another instance where if this point has been reinforced periodically, this is going to be a pretty easy conversation because there's a big point of reference. Like for me, when I'm, you know, pre-appointing or reappointing hygiene, like their next appointment, I do that in the back with the patients. I tell them, um, I'm going to, you know, reserve this time and date for you. Um, and that you're going to start, you know, receiving reminders that this appointment is coming about two weeks in advance. You'll have plenty of room. If if something doesn't work schedule wise, you need to move things around. All that we ask is that you give us at least 48 hours notice if you need to move something or reschedule. Um, and then if they're like, oh, okay, is there, you know, why is that? Or like, you know, what if, what if I can't have to cancel last minute? I just let them know that there's, there's going to be a missed appointment fee. And then, then when we're having that conversation, you can't really be surprised. You right. know I mean? And, and right. I know since I do that constantly that like, I can refer to that, like, Hey, remember last time we, when I was making your appointment, I said that I needed at least two days notice. And so I've got a long, you know, ASAP list of patients waiting to come in. And like you said, like, I respect their time. I respect your time. I want to make sure that we're honoring everyone and that we're able to take care of people. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think this is what we are going to, and I know you guys have this in place. We have this in place is we have, we have, 
a policy sheet that that new patient signs off on whenever Mm -hmm. they come about our cancellation Mm -hmm. policy. So they've already committed to that in the beginning. We're just gently reminding them that that's in place when we schedule the appointment. And then when it happens, they shouldn't be shocked. But there are times, obviously, that patients get upset. I recently had a patient who this actually, if I'm being super honest, this was the catalyst for this podcast is we have a newer, fresher, younger team member that's not super confident yet. And this patient actually called and was trying to cancel. And we said, well, we actually have an opening a little later today. And he's like, oh yeah, I could do that. So he took that time and then didn't make it to that appointment and then called and we scheduled him a few days later in the week. And then he didn't show up to that. So it was just like this, oh my gosh, like I I almost feel like, and I try to empower our business team, like to almost, you're like the bouncer of the practice, right? Right. Like you got to help protect, protect what's going on here. Um, And then when he actually did finally come in and he had to, I was collecting that missed appointment fee. He was like, Hey, uh, is there any way like you could code that as something and submit that to insurance? And I was like, and I, (laughs) Nope, sure can. Knowing me so well, I was like, I literally was like, uh, Nope, that's insurance fraud. And I'm not willing to do that. So you're going to pay that. This is my time. Yeah. So, and and it's enabling when we do that for patients and that's doing no one a favor. Like, 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 even if there's availability, reserve it for your good patient, like hold it for someone else, you know, like let them wait a couple of weeks and feel like the natural consequences of them canceling. Like, this is an instance, like there's no need to bend over backwards for that person. If they're like a chronic failure, you know, they need to prepay. And if they don't come, then they, you know, give away and they forfeit their deposit kind of thing. And again, if we have patients that are not valuing the time and the services that we provide for them, mm-hmm. maybe they're not a good fit. Yeah, so. it's all good. Yep. All and good. then our third example was the patient that calls in and they're upset and irate because they have a balance that they weren't anticipating because when we had presented them their treatment, we had estimated what insurance was going to cover. And then it looks like insurance didn't cover what we had estimated. So now they're upset and they, you know, they want us to write that off or, you know, what are we going to do about this? Mm -hmm. Um, You want to take that one? Um, Sure. Yeah. I mean, Anytime, well, actually, probably not, to be honest, because I don't have a whole lot of these conversations. Like, I'm not on the phones. And honestly, if I think it's a long conversation, I will take the patient to a treatment plan coordinator because then they can dive deep into their insurance and why this and do we need to resubmit something and that sort of thing. So, honestly, I don't have a lot of these conversations, but I do, I'm like very comfortable saying, like, oh, yeah, you know, it's an estimate. You know, insurance companies, unfortunately, sometimes don't hold up their end of the bargain. Let's investigate this a little further for you to see if it's a true balance. You know, that's the verbiage I use because sometimes it's not. Sometimes we're waiting for insurance to pay or they just need more information or something. So I just like stay very broad about it, but like with that confident tone, you know, I'm just right. like, yeah, it's, it's okay. Let's let's get to the bottom of this for you. And then if they end up owing it, like it is what it is. If if you or I get a bill, right, you know, for an x-ray or we went to the emergency room, like no one is surprised. So like let people right. take responsibility. Right. You know, well. I love, I love that I just kicked that off to you and you answered the way you did because we have a team that is strong in different areas. Right. And honestly, as hygienists, we should be able to have that basic conversation of, huh, yes, we did estimate that, you know, let's look into this a little further and see what insurance covered. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I can have you, I can connect you with my insurance. Exactly. Exactly. Insurance person and let them look into it and talk to you a little more about it. So that is an option if you're, 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 you don't know all the answers and you don't know what to say, Mm -hmm. but at the, at the end of the day, you know, say, you know, that 
what insurance covered and you know that this is what they owe, Mm -hmm. you know, that's just a very direct conversation too of, hey, you know, we always do our best to estimate what insurance will cover. All plans are different. You know, sometimes they cover more, sometimes they cover less. In this case, they covered less than what we estimated. So this actually is legitimately what you owe for the services that we provided. Yep. All good. Direct, clear, concise. Yeah, exactly. And then I think that's the point. That's about as much as I'll say chairside, because like one, we've got to do the clinical hygiene. And like, if we get into the, you know, bird's nest of all the insurance things, like we'll never have time to do that. But yeah, I love that because it's just straight, concise to the point, like you're saying very basic. And I think that one thing is to like, stay curious in that scenario too. Don't get like apologetic. I think a lot of people, especially when you're new, have a tendency to like say, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Oh no, you owe $800. This is a big problem. Like, it's not a big problem. Let me, let me investigate what that means. Like, right. you know, it's, it is what it is. Yeah. Kind of yeah. Yeah. So there was, um, I have an example of a patient who was acting inappropriately toward female team members. Um, and this is the person that we actually are in the process of dismissing from the practice. But I think that this is an important thing too, because sometimes it's not even about like our policies. It's just about, you know, making sure that we're maintaining a safe work environment. And this, I would say, is is when it's really, really important to understand whether or not, like in my scenario specifically, like I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that any of my doctors will come have my back if I need to have a conversation like this with my patients. So that's what kind of helps in all of these things, but specifically in this instance, because our doctors 100% will, will validate, you know, whatever it is that we're concerned about, whatever our team is concerned about, you know. So we had a, a patient who is an older man. He's like in his late 60s, early 70s, and he's been coming for years, and he makes everyone very, very uncomfortable. Like he comes in and uh, is taking pictures of people without their consent and is showing, you know, our, our greeter, Sam, at the front, a picture of his niece who looks like her and like just I don't know it's just a lot of unnecessary comments and tension and kind of like did he just really say that did he just really do that and and it it, this was a tricky situation because it's a hard thing to point to and say what it is exactly you know but this went on kind of for years you know he he went into a consult room and he knew the person's first and last name you know, and he had never met this person before. He's like, hey, are you Ashley so-and-so? And she's like, yeah, how do you, know? like he had done some, you know, research ahead of time. Wow. There were a lot of instances like this where like everyone was, is just like on edge when he comes in. Like the, there's actually um, one woman who refuses to check him in because she would, he would come like 30 minutes early to the appointment and sit and just chat with her and say all these like awkward, weird things. Um, but the last straw was on Halloween. He actually, he walked in with it and, and saw me and I was wearing a costume, you know, I'm covered from head to toe, like my legs right. are covered and my arms, right. are whatever, but I'm wearing a costume and he immediately opens his phone. And before he asked if he could take a picture, I'm pretty sure he got a picture or two and said, oh, that's worth a picture. And I said, no, thank you. I'm not taking pictures today. Um, I've got enough of my own. Like, no, we're not doing that basically. And just right. no concise. And he, and he was like, oh, okay. He didn't put his camera away. He kept it open as we walked down the hall. And so I made him walk in front of me. I was like, go ahead after you. He kept his camera open the entire time. Like he was trying to like sneak pictures. Okay. I see him. And then as I'm walking in and out of the room, I see him fidgeting with his camera again. And he's like checking me out, like turning. And I'm like, okay. 
this is enough. Like the camera thing, this is, this is getting like out of control. It's obnoxious. So many people refuse to interact with this person because he makes them so uncomfortable. We need to get this guy out of here. Like it's just, it's inappropriate behavior, you know? Um, So we are sending him a letter of dismissal and that's something that, you know, I don't, I don't know what the letter says. Honestly, I'm not writing the letter. Uh, Our COO is helping me with the situation, but I had to finally say like, listen, enough's enough enough's enough in this instance. And I think it's okay to do that and make that yeah. decision as a practice, you know, when yes. this is the case. Well, and that's, that's such an important and such an important thing. Like you said, to, to know that your docs have your backs. Yeah. Like exactly. that they'll, they will do what protects us. And if we are feeling uncomfortable, you know, we've got to go to them and say, Hey, this is really creepy. And this is making me feel uncomfortable. And, you know, them being willing to say, okay, I'll, I'll manage it. I'll go have a conversation or we'll, we're, you know, we'll let the patient go. I think that's awesome. Right. And a hundred percent of the time, like our practice, this is something that I so am thankful for in our practice is like, there's never a time where I don't feel supported in one of these situations. Like the doctor will come in, reiterate the reason why the patient needs x-rays or reiterate why, you know, keeping your appointment time is so important. You know, they, they won't throw me under the bus at any point in time. So that's a really important thing to know as a doctor or a hygienist or as, as a provider, like if you're, you know, if you are honoring the patient before you're honoring your team, that's usually a, a problem. You know, right. it takes away their confidence. Um, it creates this fearful kind of environment and this like punitive feeling thing where like if they were trying to, you know, maintain a boundary or enforce a boundary that you've all agreed upon and then you come in and don't have their back or you're like just give in to the patient, then you're, ma- you're making your team member wrong. And then the next time they're going to be really confused as to what you expect of them and what they should do in that instance. And it just takes away their confidence. You right. know, so when they come in and reiterate what you're saying, like it, it is make or break. Like when the culture in your, in your uh, work environment is like that, it makes all of this just a non-event. Right. You know, when, yeah. I, when I told Dr. Craig about this patient, he had been aware of the situation, but I said, listen, enough's enough. Like, this is the last straw for me. And he was hundred percent on board. He was like, yeah, let's do it. He's like, this sounds ridiculous. I'm like, okay, great. Yeah. You know, and immediately it was, it was in the works. So it's, yep. it's awesome. All about that communication. Yep. Well, hopefully today you are, you are ending this podcast feeling more empowered. Um, and we are always just going to encourage you to stay rooted in your practice, why vision and mission and lean on each other for support. You know, our whole goal is that none of us feel like we're getting steamrolled. Yes. We're going to have some hard moments. Yes. We're going to have some hard conversations. There's always going to be that patient that's questioning in a more aggressive way, but hopefully this has helped us all learn a little more about how to manage those patients and how to move forward with confidence and assertiveness And if you're looking for a little more support, Brittany and I would love to see you this summer in Nashville. We will be there June 3rd and 4th at our Bulletproof Summit. Mm -hmm. And we just love meeting listeners and being able to put our heads together and think about what works, what doesn't work, solve problems, and really help each other win. That's what this is all about. Yep. If you want to register or get more information, you can go to bulletproofsummit.com. And as always, if you have good ideas or things that have worked really, really well for you, or you want a little more support in regards to our topic today, please, please download the Mighty Network app and search Bulletproof Hygiene and join us on our private uh, group there. And we have kind of like an ongoing dialogue about, about these things and troubleshooting. So we'd love to see you there as well. Yep. Everybody have a great week and we'll see you next time. Bye. 
Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Bulletproof Hedging Podcast. We hope you've had as much fun as we have. Don't forget to click subscribe for a lot more where this came from. We appreciate your support and promise to keep the hygiene gems coming. Keep track of upcoming Bulletproof Hygiene events by visiting bulletproofhygiene.com or download the Mighty Networks app and search Bulletproof Hygiene to stay connected. We want to hear from you.